Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This week's episode is sponsored by Logan Arch. Logan Arch is the place to go if you're looking for geeky accessories that also feel a little bit nostalgic. So Pokemon fans, there's definitely something for you. They have pins, apparel, bags, stickers, office goods, basically everything you could want. And it's all well-designed and nerdy and reminds you of your childhood faves, which is something I absolutely love. To start shopping, you can head to loganartschicago.com or follow them online at loganartschicago. Welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan Danae, and I am so excited to have the two hosts from the Fake Geek Girls Podcast here, Missy and Mary. How are you both? Good. I am so excited that all of our tech is working. Fingers crossed. <laughs> We've been first of all this <laughs> this year is cursed, but also like I have been trying to set this interview up for at least six months and failed horribly and then all of our microphones were crashing so yeah. I think this is gonna be great now <laughs> I keep turning into a robot it's fine that's yeah. just your true form yeah my yeah. true form no it's great I mean also like nothing can just function properly Mm-mm. this year so no, it's we're true. just right on beat <laughs> um but for anyone I mean I feel like the sartorial geek and fake geek girls like mission and and everything we're doing is so aligned. So I like imagine that most people listening have already heard of you guys. But if anyone hasn't, uh, can you tell us about Fakey Girls and your podcast and how yes. long you've been doing it and all the all the things? I will. I will do my best, and I will do it in a normal speaking voice <laughs> rather than the yeah. not the way I usually. Fast. Yeah. Um, so Fakey Girls is a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. Um, trying not to laugh. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, we started our podcast in around August of um, 2014, kind of just as a means of um, keeping our brains working after yeah. college. Um, when we graduated. Yeah, because we we graduated in June of 2014. Um, I studied English with a creative writing emphasis, and um, I studied tell communication. Me what you did. I did commun- I did a double major: communication and um, social science. Right. So there was a lot of um, between the two of us. There was a lot of like critical theory and um, analysis, and then also like turning things like that into things that can be easily understood by other people. Yeah. Um, but really it was just a means of like getting ourselves to stay active and productive and keep our brains kind of working in that analytical way because those were skills that we gained in college that we really wanted to hold on to. Um, and over time it's developed into this um this podcast where we take different pieces of media and then we look at like academic writing and we try to bring in concepts from like philosophy and social justice work and um you know, other words that fall into that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We try to um, bring those things into uh, discussions of popular culture because we believe that um, 
thinking critically about pop culture is something that we all can do and something we all should do because pop culture isn't created in, nor does it exist in a vacuum. Um, and when we're more uh, empowered to discuss these things, we're more able to, um, excuse me, while I get like really <laughs> fired up about it, I guess, but I think we're more able to resist and challenge the the dominant ideas and norms that make up our culture. Um, basically when you, when you know the kinds of, um, frameworks that exist in our culture, you're better able to spot them in fiction, um, and challenge whatever notion they're telling you is normal. That's the best way I could think to phrase it. Yeah. I think also something that we work on is taking like academic works and making them like understandable because so much of academia is like purposely confusing and mm -hmm. I usually don't understand it and Missy explains it to me. <laughs> so um, I think that's something that um, at least for me is really important because academia is, literally is purposely written in a way that's hard to understand. Yeah. yeah, I think that's something really amazing about your podcast too. So I, I am not great at any of those things. So like, I like how you talk about how you do both like the, the fangirling and the critiquing and analyzing. And I definitely fall short on the critiquing analyzing side. And so sometimes I have guests who do more of that. And so like those interviews go that direction, but I am something I'm working on, but like, that's not a skill that I have very well right now. So I think if anyone who's listening <laughs> to mine and is like, I want more of that, like you guys have it, um, which is great because that's also something that, you know, fans, what, like that's something about being a fan is like diving deep and analyzing and, and being honest about the flaws and failures and the good things. And I think you both do that super well. Thank you. We try really hard to not be like an overwhelmingly negative podcast because yeah, totally. um, speaking I mean, from we did from the movie and we were not negative. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like our, like our our top thing of like we were not negative about B movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really yeah. bad. I wouldn't yeah. say I was positive about B movie. But, <laughs> but we were not like bashing. I don't think. And I think that balance is so important, though, because sometimes, like, I, you know, that that gets really hard to listen to a lot or like, you know, mm -hmm. it's it, when it's super, super negative. It's like, no, I do like this thing. I just want to like it and be honest about how it's not perfect. And so I think that's like, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I it's like important to me as a person and as a person who participates in pop culture and as a creator of, you know, media and all this kind of like I kind of sit yeah. in this this nexus of all of these things. Um it's important to me that as you said we we be honest about um what like ideologies exist in in the works that we enjoy. Um but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy them. It just means that we are honest about it and we are critical of ourselves at the same time that we are critical of our media and we're critical of the world we live in. There's no, there's no shame in any of that. There's no, uh, there doesn't have to be anger. There doesn't have to be hatred. It's just a matter of like understanding where ideas come from and how they impact us and how they are everywhere. They're not just like, like you can be really obvious about something, but you can also be like very subtle about it and being able to pick up on that subtlety, um, I think is important in understanding how our culture works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess this has probably been the case forever. I, I feel like especially right now, but maybe that's just because we're all sitting at home with nothing to do. Except <laughs> like, think about this, but there are so many things in fandom that are exactly that. Like mm-hmm. we love them and they're not perfect or they're like hugely problematic in some way. So I think, yeah. I think that's like such a good frame to look at things you love. And then I, I think it also gives you an understanding when you talk to someone like being able to do both, like you just said, without being super angry or negative but also being realistic about it i imagine that helps conversations with other fans go better too yeah and we've had some people get angry like thinking that we hate something when we really don't um i think a really good example of that is our coheed and cambria (laughs) episode (laughs) where we critiqued their comic because we both didn't really like it and somebody got very angry about that and went on what a twitter rage yeah it was a lot of fun (laughs) Nancy just so told fun. me don't go look was yeah, like, like, just, just don't look at our our mentions for the next uh three hours <laughs> yeah and that's hard too like i i know that not everyone has adopted that mentality of like mm-hmm. you can critique something without hating it so that's mm-hmm. you know it's really hard to put yourself out there especially in fandom space right mm-hmm. like i imagine yeah. anyone listening and the three of us definitely know how wild that can be um so it's hard when you're doing something like that and then not everyone listening gets that that's what you're doing yeah reaction like the reception that we've gotten to our podcast is like overwhelmingly positive we we get lots of really positive feedback but every now and then we push the wrong button um which is fine not everybody wants to engage with pop culture in this way yeah um or and this is this is gonna sound really like pretentious, but I'll explain <laughs> what I mean. Not every not everybody is ready to do that. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is not that they are like not emotionally ready, but rather that doing that kind of work is really difficult because it yeah. forces you to confront your own internal biases and the way you feel about things like capitalism and race and gender, um, which are ingrained by our culture from you know the time that we're born. Um, and unlearning that is, is difficult, time consuming, uncomfortable work. I think, uh, the Joss Whedon stuff was that for some people, cause Joss mm-hmm. Whedon's hold up, held up. It was just like super feminist. I mean, not so much right now, but before, before yeah. everything happened, he was held up as this like, oh, he's so good. And he does all these things really great. Mm-hmm. And he's good at writing women when really he was just doing the bare minimum i think that was a lot of hard it was hard for a lot of people to hear and challenged how they felt about him Mm -hmm. and like speaking as a fan of the majority of joss whedon's works like that when i started to hear that kind of criticism like before before like everything like kind of came to light um i read a few essays about like for example the um the lack of chinese people in the like Chinese dominated world of Firefly. And I was like, that's, I never thought about that before. And then I got really uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, well, that can't be right. And then I kept thinking about it. And then I'm like, well, it kind of is right, isn't it? And then I just kind of had to grow into that, like understanding that the thing I liked so much could be flawed. Um, And that wasn't like, that didn't mean like suddenly I was a bad person because I enjoyed it. It meant that I had to be honest about what it was and what it was doing. 
and maybe my enjoyment of it changes over time and I don't enjoy it as much anymore and that's okay. Or maybe I enjoy it just as much and that's okay too. It's just a matter of like questioning why I enjoy it, why it didn't have that representation, like all of those kinds of things kind of feed into my understanding of this pop cultural work, pop cultural work. (laughs) And that's the kind of thing that we want to encourage people to do. And I hope when people listen to our podcast, they don't, this is like one of my biggest things is I hope when people listen to fake geek girls, they don't come away thinking that everything we say is, is the truth. Oh yeah. um, Or that everything we say is like, absolutely certain um, because we are just as flawed as everybody else. And I think everybody is just as capable of of doing the kind of stuff that we do. Um, We just, we happen to have the benefit of, you know, the, the luxury of being able to go to college and study it. Um, Even as we, we have bachelor's degrees. So there are people who are way more experienced than us. Um, But like, there's nothing special about us. We're not experts. I'm a Shrek expert. I'll claim that title. <laughs> oh my god! Is that is that an expert of Shrek? Is that yes? Is yeah. that real? Like, we we just did a Shrek episode. Stop it! <laughs> so, oh my gosh! It was I really haven't good. thought about Shrek in a very long time, and that just made me so happy. <laughs> um, I have some very positive thoughts about the Shrek franchise. <laughs> I cannot. Is that episode out already? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to listen to immediately after. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the like taking taking stuff like Shrek, which has like this universal appeal, right? And then we discuss in that episode. We talk about like little bits of um, of uh, existentialist philosophy, and um, oh man, what else did we talk about in that episode? We what recorded we, like a month ago. I can't remember about, anything. Like, environment stuff. Oh yeah, like uh, we talked about the concept of green consciousness. Um, I'm we, so happy. We talked about <laughs> um, capitalism, right? Capitalism, That's heteronormativity. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this. What a gift! I love this. <laughs> That's like taking making concepts like that of um, approachable through. Um, through media that we all consume and understand is kind of our like our mo right yeah. like we we want these concepts to be accessible to people so we tried to do that through talking about um pop culture that we all engage with um, one of my favorite ones that, or series that we did that on with was jurassic park mm-hmm. um, we made it a little depressing but um <laughs> it, it was a really good discussion and jurassic park is like one of my favorite things and um like especially when we talked about the first one and like the fashion in it and like mm-hmm. how it was deliberate. I thought that was just so interesting. So that's one of my, the series that I'm most proud of. Yeah. And I loved it. I'd never seen Jurassic Park before then. Now I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally that. wearing a Jurassic Park shirt right now. <laughs> good. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's something that's so special about fandom too is one like the range you know from shrek to jurassic park to star wars to whatever (laughs) is so great and then also like there is so much especially things that are have become like cults uh Mm -hmm. followings because then you have you know the actual work and then everything that has happened with just like fan sense like i imagine that that is just an unlimited supply of conversations to have yeah really long list 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're really blessed to have listeners who like send us ideas and who commission us for stuff. So like you can you can commission us to do an episode, which is actually why we did Shrek. Um, that was commissioned by one and of our B friends movie. and B movie. Um, we've also got commissions for the <laughs> <laughs> the web series Carmilla, um, which was a lot of fun. And we got commissioned to do Avatar The Last Airbender. A blessing. Um, yeah. Perfect. Um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I feel like I'm missing was Animal Farm one of them? Yes. Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have one long-term one coming up. Oh, God. Like that was another that commission list. from a friend who's just shaking my fist. That's like so fun though, too, because especially when it's very specific, like Animal mm-hmm. Farm or something, it's like, you know. <laughs> It's very fun when there's something that you love and like, you know, some other people do, but then you can find a whole podcast episode analyzing it is like, it's so great. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun for me doing because I do the, a lot of the research. Um, and by for... she says a lot, she means all. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a lot of like reading on JSTOR and stuff and the amount of like scholarly work that's done on pop culture is amazing. Like, wasn't there um, a lot? I don't track? think I knew that. It's yeah, it can, especially because like academic work can often be really dry, but like there's an entire book on Shrek. <laughs> Uh, I definitely and, didn't know that. Yeah, it was my primary source for um for the Shrek episode. There's also a whole book of of scholarly work on the OC. Oh um, yeah, I love that show. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like these huge because like academics are are people just like us, right? Yeah. They also like pop culture and they like to look at it. Um, and analyze it in their work because like, why not, you know? So there's, there's all kinds of really interesting academic work out there. Um, it is still academic work, so it could be quite dense. Um, if you're not already familiar with the concepts, which is part of why we try to make those things accessible, because like, like I said, I, I feel that everybody should have access to this kind of thinking, um, if they want it rather than it being gatekept by, um, pay you know, expensive co- yeah, pay paywalls, yeah. expensive college degrees, um, all that kind of stuff. This might be like I, I don't I don't know if this is a I don't think this is an easy question to answer, but I think you actually may have thought of it. So feel free to tell me if you're like nope. <laughs> but um, I think I think you mentioned this already, but getting into the headspace of being able to do this is not easy. Like, especially if you're just like, I want to love something and I don't want anyone to say anything wrong about it. Like, I think that is a very common human mentality and Mm -hmm. also a very common fan mentality. Do you have any like tips for someone who is either like beginning that journey or is interested to remember, like to think about as you start going down that path? Because I think it is very easy to be like nope don't say anything about it you have one critique like you hate it and then I'm mad at you and that's obviously not helpful but I think it is really hard too to kind of turn that off or like shift focus in the way you think I guess definitely I think think the first thing personally I think the first thing that someone needs to do is realize they can like problematic stuff Mm -hmm. I think that that is um an issue that we have um because everything's problematic in some way um 
but like understanding that it's okay if you like something that people are critiquing and that critique doesn't mean bad. Um, for me, at least is the first step of being like, okay, first I can like this and that's okay. Um, like I loved Sabrina and Missy was like, actually Sabrina's really bad. <laughs> Referring to the chilling adventures. <laughs> the of chilling, Sabrina. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, I had to sit there and be like, okay, I can still like it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think totally. For for me, like just being a hundred percent honest, my gut reaction every single time somebody critiques something I love is that's not true. <laughs> like, every single totally. time. This is this is a podcast I've been doing now for almost six years. And every single time somebody critiques something I like, I go, no. <laughs> um so I think I think that reaction is just human, right? Like yeah. that's that's how we respond when we like something and, and somebody else um, has something negative to say about it. Even if it's like just making a, making a point about um, the, the way like, okay, I'll use, I'll use a very applicable one right now, animal crossing, right? There's always conversations about um, capitalism in animal crossing. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote a whole article about it, but um, the, a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, well, I just want to enjoy it. Don't, don't tell me about that. Cause I just want to enjoy it. And it's like, well, you can enjoy it still. Like, and I, I yeah. encourage you, I encourage you to enjoy it still. Um, kind of getting over that, that gut reaction for me is taking a moment to just kind of sit with that discomfort, that like gut reaction of like, I don't like this. I, no, you can't, you can't tell me anything negative. I, <laughs> um, I think also is that um, people may feel it as like a personal attack. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I like this bad thing. So that makes me bad. And that's just not true. Right. Right. So I try to sit with the discomfort for a minute and try to figure out why it makes me, why it makes me upset. So like if somebody says, I'm trying to, what's something I really like? Do I like anything? I don't know. <laughs> Animorphs. And, okay. I like Animorphs a lot. Um, so if somebody, if somebody tells me Animorphs uh, is ableist, which is true. Um, if somebody tells me Animorphs is, is ableist, then I, my, my gut reaction is, no, it's not. I mean, it was a different time. So like people just didn't know back then that they couldn't say stuff like that. So like, I should just, it doesn't matter. Um, that's my initial reaction. So I have to sit with that for a minute and feel like, why do I feel so compelled to defend it? Um, is it because I feel attacked when somebody says something I like is ableist? Um, does that mean that I am ableist? And it's like, well, I have a choice here, right? I can excuse it and say it was a different time and it doesn't matter. Or I can engage, engage with the way that ableism shapes our entire society. And the fact that it was, you know, quote unquote, okay to say certain words when the books were published in the nineties and we know better now, um, that tells me that our culture dictates that certain words are okay because certain people are not considered as important as others. Right. So, as I move forward with this understanding that some of the language in Animorphs is ableist, I'm better able to spot the way that our culture um, like thinks about disabled people. Um, so the goal is not for me to feel guilt because guilt is, you know, kind of a useless emotion. Um, I say this as somebody who is like, guilty all the time about everything. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally though. But moving forward I, now that I have that knowledge in hand and I've, I've sat with it a moment, I haven't, you know, fired off a quick tweet about how actually it's fine. Right. Um, I'm better able to move forward and spot the kind of conditioning that lets that language slide. Um, 
I'm still enjoying Animorphs. I still, I still love Animorphs. Number one Animorphs defender. Um, <laughs> but uh, moving forward, I have, I have knowledge that I didn't have before. And that, that lets me spot other forms of social conditioning that make, you know, certain people considered to be um, more valuable than others. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's wonderful. And I think, I think I, that's kind of what you've been saying the whole time, but I think that is such a great way to be completely honest about both things, like, or all things. I love this. And that doesn't mean that making excuses for it is okay. And mm-hmm. these are all the helpful things that you, that can come out of critiquing something like it, it, I guess, I think that's a really valuable point too. that critiquing something. The point of that is not to like it less either. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just to be honest about what is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people certainly are out there just like this thing sucks. Don't like it. Um, and that's, that's whatever, if that's how they get their kicks. Um, personally, that's not all that valuable for me. Um, I, I like understanding how and why, like, why is my favorite question in existence? Um, when, <laughs> when no matter like what, what is going on, I think asking why something is happening or why something exists the way it does is so valuable. Um, and so if, if something is, you know, if something is very popular and people are critiquing it, then we need to ask why, and we need to ask why it was, you know, why in Animorphs they chose to use ableist language or, um, those kinds of questions only help us. They help us better understand the text and they help us better understand the world because pop culture exists in the world. Um, and it's not just like the, the pop culture. It's sometimes it's why is this person critiquing it? And I think that's mm-hmm. important as well. Yeah, because the origin of criticism too matters because especially with social media and more open access to information and more easy sharing of information, you have a new diversity of voices that are able to um, to engage in critique that maybe would have gone unheard before um, due to like lack of access or, or even lack of interest. Um, so I think for some people, it feels now like, oh, everybody's too obsessed with um, racism or colonialism or whatever. Um, when in fact, it's just that a lot of these voices have gone unheard or have been intentionally silenced throughout history. Um, and listening just just literally listening like opening your ears or opening your eyes in the case of the internet um it doesn't have to be like a huge undertaking it's just a matter of like hear what somebody is saying and process it and then you can make a choice about what to do with it right yeah yeah i want to like have this conversation all day um (laughs) this is so amazing but the the other thing that's so great (laughs) If, if anyone else feels that way, they have literally six years of your podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the early stuff. <laughs> don't yeah. yeah, no one should ever listen to early. Yeah, yeah. anything. <laughs> I think I think we we really hit our stride. I want to say around. Um, I think our Force Awakens episode. Cool. I think so. Uh, it was either Force Awakens or Last Jedi. I can't remember. If I, you listen I, to I think it's Force Force Awakens. That sounds true. If you listen to our very, very first episode, which is a dumpster fire. I mean, um, <laughs> everyone. Yes. Like, yeah. Every podcast ever. Uh, but I recorded like an intro for uh, like a new intro for it that basically says like, here's 
what you can, you know, here's, here's a place to start. But like the thing with our podcast is that it's always so focused on an individual piece of media that just pick one that sounds interesting and go from there. Don't worry. You don't have to go chronologically. That's so fun. I'm so excited. I like absolutely have not listened to all the episodes. So I'm excited to like, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to go back to my favorite. Yeah, our podcast is not short. That's true. That is true. Really long. But that's good. Like, what better time than now for people who, like, I feel like at this point of quarantine, I don't know if you both feel this way, but I feel like I've done, I've like done all the things I was already doing in a certain way, but like, I need new quarantine projects Mm. or I like, I'm bored of everything I've been doing for the past four months. Yeah. And, uh, I'm still going to be stuck at home. So I need new stuck at home things. Yes. Yeah. Be entertained by. I'm well, JSTOR has a hundred free articles all the way, th- all the way yeah. through the end of July. So. Okay. Well, there's also like Google Sc- Scholar helps too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so great. And then I guess we should also, this podcast is not the only cool thing that you both do. Um, do you want to like... <laughs> Tell us about some of the other the other things happening in your lives. Sure. Um, so I always have a million projects going at any given time. Um, one of them is SideQuest.Zone, uh, which is a gaming site that I run with um, Nassim Jamnia and Zora Gilbert, both of whom are incredible. Um, and this is a gaming site for gaming critique and all that kinds of stuff, news, interviews, and so on, um, that is done entirely by people of marginalized genders. Um, Mary is actually one of our social media team there, um, helping promote us and keep us thriving and vibing and so on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that's a, that's a, project I'm I'm very very proud of and I can say that especially because uh, I don't write all of it so I, I do rude. I do want to point out that it also has really cool stuff like love letters to someone <laughs> yeah I did write that one that's like, great poem. we've yeah excuse me we print we print all kinds of stuff so we print like regular old criticism um we also print poetry um we've got a really cool experimental piece coming up that I'm really excited about um we print my love letter to Sylvanas from World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, man, what else do we do? Um, we actually have a zine coming out really soon. That is a compilation Whoa. of like our first, um, like we, it's, we have a confusing history. I don't need to go entirely into, but um, all of the, like our favorite pieces that we've published um, over the last like six, seven years um, that should be coming out this month or next month um super cool july or august um but yeah that's that's very exciting and it's a really cool project and everybody should check it out um because we have some just really incredible writers um and also like just a good support team um and our social media people including mary are wonderful um i also i also what else do i do oh i have I was going to say, I know you have a book coming out. (laughs) So I do have a book coming out um, called The Little Book of Video Games. Um, It's real cute. It's sitting on my desk right now. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got Polina show who is like one of my favorite artists, to do the cover and the internal illustrations, um, and it really makes the book look so different from every other video game. 
so cute. History. Yeah, it's so it's so cute. Um, and I had to read so many video game history books uh, <laughs> to research this. So like I can verify that this is the cutest one. <laughs> I, I heard so many interesting facts. About, <laughs> let me tell you, they're wild. Yeah. Early video game development was wild. Including um, hot tubs. Oh, man. <laughs> OK, cool. Um so that, the infamous hot tub story, I think it was, and don't quote me on it because I'm not looking at a source right now and I'm just trying to do it from memory, but I think it was Nolan Bushnell and Tad Dabney, who are two of the founders of Atari, where they had like the business was doing really, really well and they had all this money, like more money than they knew what to do with. And they, um, they installed a hot tub at the like Atari like headquarters and they're like chilling in the hot tub during work hours, <laughs> like trying to get the secretary to come in with them while their lawyer is standing off to the side, like getting increasingly upset because they have these like really important legal papers in the, the hot tub with them. That's my nightmare. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so type A, I can't. <laughs> yeah. And like, the the stories of early game development and specifically Atari are just bananas. Like they were, it was so much fun to read about. Um, yeah. Is that the, so the book, I know it's like a history of it. Is it that type of stuff or is that just like bonus that you got to learn? That's more bonus. Um, the, the book itself is kind of like, here's 70 games or yeah, I think it's 70 games. Here's 70. It's been a while since I wrote it now. I don't I know. I think that is correct. <laughs> that seems, I think that's right. Um, it's basically taking these iconic games that um, shaped gaming history in some way. It's not like the best games or the most impactful games or the games you have to play. Um, it's more like here are the games that shaped games as we know it today. Um, and then looking at history specifically through the game itself, um, which is, which was really interesting and fun. And then there's also some like sidebars in there about stuff like the video game crash of um, boy. Now I've forgotten what year it was. This is a long time ago that I wrote this. <laughs> I mean, it's okay that you didn't memorize all the facts in your book. <laughs> um, but it talks about like the video game crash, the supposed death of the adventure game. Um, and then I got to go off in my conclusion about how important indie games are <laughs> because that's, yeah. that's where my heart lies. Yeah. Um, that's so great yeah that's that comes out oh my god i just crashed my cup into everything <laughs> that comes out july 14th um and it's it's called the little book of video games uh 70 games everyone should know and play and uh i go by missy in my day-to-day -day life um that's what i've been known as since i was a kid but my real name is melissa brinks and that's the name it's published under <laughs> So when you're confused by the title or by the author. Yeah. If you want to get real confusing, I have yeah. another book called The Compendium of Magical Beasts, um, which is published under the name Veronica Wig Wigbert Blackwater, who's not a real person. What? Okay. It's <laughs> um, a really cool book. Thank you. It's it's by me, but we we have a fake. Um, sorry, sorry to shatter the illusion, everyone. But, <laughs> but the reason that the author photo for Veronica Wigberg Blackwater looks like me is because it is in fact me. <laughs> um, but uh, that one is like a bestiary of like magical beasts, like phoenixes and mermaids, and and like Whoa. looking at them through a scientific view. Um, and a feminist view. 
yeah, if you want a really high recommendation, um, the top rated review on Amazon for my book is titled Strong Feminist Anti-Male Agenda. Um, and it talks about how much I hate men. So I feel like you... Yeah, so I feel like you really can't get a higher recommendation than that. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So good. Um... But yeah, uh, she's not a real person either. It's just me. That's great. I love that. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, to to uh, promote, mm-hmm. Mary? No, um, I quit my job. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> a really bad job. You have that's a cool Instagram. I guess I haven't really posted on it because it's been. You think I'd post more on it? Because no, because quarantine. there's nothing to do. I take <laughs> yeah. pictures of. I get it. And I put it in cool clothes. And I have no motivation to like get dressed. Because <laughs> yeah. I've been working in like no makeup and pajamas, which turns out is really nice. <laughs> um, yeah, eventually I'll get back on it. My stories are cool and my dog is cute. Yeah. What's your what's your app, Mary? Uh, what's your Insta? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm getting it correctly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't remember it because it's Mary Mary, but I can't remember which one comes first. That's uh, so great. It's Mary M E R R Y and then Mary M E R R I. Very confusing. I love it. Yeah, no, there's going to be a it. lot of Starbucks, clothes, and dogs. <laughs> yeah. That's like relatable right. content. And like yeah. every now and then, like my husband who did something weird, like put a, a horror <laughs> mask on our Christmas tree. <laughs> That's excellent. I love that. I'm so excited that we finally got to do this interview. Thank you both so much. Yeah. And I'm excited for everyone listening to like have a new, different, but like equally pop culture loving uh podcast listen to yeah i'm so i'm so glad we were able to make it work and and chat with you as well because we love your clothes oh my gosh so much true i'm so sad i won't get to see you in person at any cons this year i know i know 2021 someday (sighs) someday we'll be freed from our homes i know at least we still have the internet podcast yeah that's great Thank you seriously so much. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was good. It's true. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can head to our archives to hear more or hit subscribe to hear what's coming up next. If you want to go a step above and beyond, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which helps other nerdy people find us. Or you can go to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek to help keep the podcast going and check out the cool rewards that we have over there. Have a great week and stay nerdy. Bye-bye.